Welcome to the Kernel DeFi Podcast. My name is Sean DeManta, and I'm here to explore the past, present, and future of the DeFi industry with you. Today's episode, we speak with Chris Castiglione, the founder of Console.xyz, a Web3 native alternative to Discord for Web3 communities that span a variety of use cases across NFTs, DeFi, and more. Chris is also part of Trust Machines, which focuses on building a smart contract layer across Bitcoin so that dApps can be built for different use cases like DeFi and NFTs on Bitcoin. If you're interested in the future of Web3 communities and really unique opportunities to build on top of Bitcoin and for a multi-chain future, you do not want to miss this episode. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Kernel DeFi podcast. Really excited to have you on. You're one of the first guests to join who actually is building on Bitcoin in addition to multi-chain solutions. I love if you could start off with a quick intro about yourself, what and I got you into the space and into building console. Yeah, Sean, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm building console. It's console XYZ. You can think of console as like, you know, more secure Web3 chat, basically. And we could talk more about that. Um, but yeah, my, my background, I was a developer for a while. I'm really into open source. Uh, I'd say music. I love music and Napster and like BitTorrent and all that stuff really got me to see the power of P2P, like peer-to-peer networks, Um, you know, basically networks that like you can't take down. They're like these kind of like resilient networks of people. And, um, you know, as I imagine many listeners know, um, you know, P2P and open source became kind of, kind of like the, it's kind of like the genesis of what, you know, needed to happen before Bitcoin. And so I'd say, you know, uh, Bitcoin is peer-to-peer money. And so when I saw that, like everything just clicked for me. For me, it was 2013 when I first got um, exposed to that. I was living in uh, the Bay Area for a brief stint as we did uh, Y Combinator. And, you know, during that time, it was just like, I remember just landing an SFO and like people were just like doing weird futuristic things, like sending each other Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I just saw the value of it. And um, and I think now where I'm really interested in how we can evolve the future of the internet. So it's more open, user-owned, respectful of privacy, censorship resistant, like a lot of these things that the original internet uh, was envisioned to be and fell a little short. And, you know, so we're still kind of evolving that dream from the 60s. But that's, you know, (laughs) that's the internet's backstory. So uh, yeah, so just kind of riding that wave and, and happy to contribute to it with console. Yeah, I remember uh, remember getting exposed to Bitcoin in 2013 as well, and I, I think it was still still a relatively fringe idea, even though I had gained a bit more adoption at that point. But I, I think if if I remember, uh, even in the intervening years up until now, uh, Bitcoin has largely been thought of as a asset, a store of value. And now I know a lot of folks that you work with, um, perhaps prior to uh, to console as well as affiliated with console are trying to build almost like an app layer on t- on top of Bitcoin. And I've heard a lot about Lightning, but what what is, uh, do you mind talking a little bit more about trust yeah. machines, stacks, this whole kind of ecosystem around Bitcoin that's being built out? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think Bitcoin itself, uh, you know, as a network um, or an asset is really interesting because, I mean, it was 
it was the first, right? But uh, but I think also it's really got decentralization solid first, you know, and um, I got that done really well. I mean, not only just organizationally decentralized, like we don't even know who started it, um, but even just technically decentralized. And it hasn't like even changed that much in 10 years, which a lot of people think is uh, like the Achilles heel, like the, the thing that's going to make it uh, fall apart. But in a lot of ways, I, my vision is, um, and I think, you know, this is shared by a lot of people, um, having that secure base layer that doesn't change and is kind of slow, like a foundation is like, is the foundation needed to really like build communities, like the big city of Web3, like, because we can trust that level of decentralization, right? Um, and I say that, like, in comparison with, you know, there's a lot of L1s, a lot of new layers that come out, and they're like, we're so fast, and like, whatever, we like have sunglasses and hang out on the beach and stuff. And it's like, that's great. Um, you know, I think there's gonna be a lot of solutions, like for the future for different use cases. But for use cases that really care about decentralization, which I like to use the word resilience to kind of explain like a more simple, like, you know, for, for communities that like want to not be shut down or be censorship resistance, like tapping into the, the Bitcoin and super powering your app with the Bitcoin layer, um, is amazing. If you could do that, like we see a lot of things in Ethereum that are happening with like DeFi and DAOs and like apps being built. Right. But like, what if you could do that for Bitcoin? And so, yeah, that's the thesis, um, of of trust machines which is a company i'm a gm of a general manager and you know trust machines is building a largest ecosystem of, of bitcoin apps and what trust machines is doing is they're using a variety of different tools that exist um like clarity which is a smart contract language for bitcoin that's on a, a layer called stacks uh using dlcs which are kind of like um kind of like a way to do like oracle kind of uh conditional statements and this kind of thing, um, lightning and, uh, a handful of other things, which, uh, are R and D, but will, I think are coming along for like the next year, which can be really exciting for just making, for harnessing that power of Bitcoin. And I think the final thing I'll say too, which is like kind of a tie back and kind of exciting for like, you know, I guess like history or devs nerds. Um, but it's just that like, there is evidence too of Satoshi like talking about this on some of the forums and that's out there and I could probably share a link to it, but I think they really see like the value of like Satoshi's original idea was like, if we could harness the power of Bitcoin to make apps, then, then we could really, you know, make, make a really amazing up a contribution to upgrading the internet. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the ecosystem that, and that's, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So I think it's pretty fascinating that Satoshi talked about, building an app layer on top of Bitcoin, um, Satoshi, whoever he, she, or a, a group of them, uh, individuals were, I'm, I'm starting to, uh, see some interesting apps on top of the stacks platform. I, I looked at, uh, some of the apps that are available. There's everything from wallets. I think the hero wallet to a number of other kind of ENS, uh, like domain name services, like having your .btc name or .stacks name, um, amongst other, other other solutions. Now, I know you focus on console primarily. And what I, when I first heard about console, I think it was at the, the Stanford, some Stanford DAO conference. And I, I think you had made some comment during uh, one of the video sessions and I looked it up probably a few months ago. And I, I remember being like, oh, that's interesting, a Web3 alternative to Discord. 
um, we, we start, we started to see a few web three alternatives to discord, but what, what's wrong with discord now? Like discord seems super easy to use. It's something where I have a lot of my communities, especially Ethereum and Solana based communities on their NFTs and DAOs. Uh, wh why do we need an alternative to discord? Yeah. Um, I feel like you're setting me up with that one. Cause I think anyone that's used discord knows the issues with discord. Um, and that's not just me speaking. We've interviewed like a hundred people. <laughs> like there was, there was no one that was talking the praises of discord. So, um, but I think, you know, to kind of pull that apart, um, to, for anyone new that's coming to this or that has a community, um, I think some of the main issues with discord, um, number one is all of the, the scams and spam and hacks that have happened over the past year. And the reason a large part of those, um, exist or that the, the, it's having these security issues is that Discord wasn't made for Web3. It was made for gamers. And a lot of the Web3 like abilities of it are bots, which are kind of being like patched in. And I actually wrote a blog post about this in quite detail. It's at blog.console.xyz if anyone wants to read it. But we we're working with a cybersecurity team that's part of the console team. And um, you know, and they went through and re reviewed over a hundred different discord hacks. And like, it turns out like a lot of the time, um, these hacks on discord happen, like they're, they're pretty closely linked to like the authentication and the bots. And so that was kind of what I broke down. And so, you know, we're at console trying to take a lesson from that on how we can improve, um, security. So I would say security is a number, you know, an issue. And if I didn't say the number, it's it's hundreds of millions of dollars have been stolen um, from people connecting their wallets on Discord. So that's not great. Um, the what else is what's wrong with Discord? Um, number two, the onboarding experience, and we hear that a lot from community leaders. They are inviting new members to their communities, and they get in there and they don't know where to go. It's loud. It's confusing, um, and then they peel off because they didn't feel like, you know, welcomed or like didn't know what to do. So I think the onboarding experience could be a lot better. Uh, and then number three, I think just a, a handful of the features just aren't really web native. Um, you know, there's not really intuitive threads or notifications and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it ends up just being like, I don't know, a very unpleasant experience. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think you, you mentioned in your blog post about how, Discord has a very large surface area for attack. Um, even if they, uh, even if these communities use bots or like the yeah. capture verify bot or other types of bots, those bots are kind of subject to bugs in their code or, or hijacking. Um, there's also social engineering and things like that. Um, my, my understanding with consoles is that you're using some level of wallet verification to enable access to a community and what would you say are some of the kind of pros and cons of doing that? I think you talked about some of the pros, but what are some of the cons? Because I know that one of the big benefits of Discord is that you can access a community almost immediately, see what the vibe is like without having any kind of NFT asset, for example, or yeah. or, or the like. Yeah. Um, or, or you might need some NFT asset to access some of the private channels. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, if you, if you come to console, you know, imagine you're joining a new community. Um, one of the things that we offer is token gating by NFTs. So, you know, NFTs are essentially like a form of identity in a community. Like if you buy 
um, you know, an NFT to, I don't know, I'm trying to <laughs> name a random one. That's not one of the main ones. We just like board apes because everybody knows that. But, you know, if you're doing that, you know, in a way you're like one of 10,000 people in that community and people are using those for membership. Right. Um, and so we do have those kind of communities. And in addition, though, you know, if, if you're Sean, if you're coming and you're creating, you know, a community for, you know, the podcast, right. Um, you can choose the the gating. And so you don't have to have an NFT. There could be a console community that's not an NFT. It's just a bunch of wallet addresses chatting. Um, or there could be um, a community that is um, using the .btc or .eth name. So these are basically identity that you can have on the blockchain. Um, and then you get to really choose the level of identity and gating and community that you are enforcing. So it's really up to the community and how they set that up. So in that way, I guess it's kind of, um, it's just as um, open, I would say, as uh, as Discord, like just as inclusive. Um, but I guess the cons, because you do ask about the cons, um, I think I think that, um, you know, we, we're, we're a wallet only login. So we're not going to have an email password login. We're not going to have a Facebook like log in or whatever. Um, and I'm seeing that with a lot of our like competitors in the, you know, web three chat space is like a lot of them are retrofitting the, I'd say that the trend right now is just like about a bunch of web two apps that are just like retrofitting with like a wallet login. Um, I don't think that works. I don't think that works because of the whole list of problems that I mentioned with discord, as far as the security and everything goes. And so, you know, the whole vision of using identity where you own your private keys. So basically using the wallet login, um, is because it it increases the level of trust between the different people in the community and um you know and hopefully as we as we're working towards to really reduce the amount of bots which you know and and spam when i say bots i mean like people that are just spinning up hundreds of bots and like spamming propaganda or like selling crap um so yeah i think that's the pro of what we're doing but you know, undeniably, it's a bit of a challenge because not everybody has a web wallet and knows what it is. Um, I think there's 2.5 million, that was the latest stat I heard, web wallets in the world. And, you know, there's like billions of people. So uh, we're, like, we're still far out from either the education or technical know-how to, to integrate this. And I'd say that's, yeah, I'd say that's one of the challenges. Um, if you have a community that's probably not, let's say you're making like a web 2.1 community, then maybe console is not the right place for you. What what types of communities are you drawing to the console platform or that you're targeting for the console platform? I know Web3 communities is a very broad term. And I think the first thing I think about is NFT communities. That's largely last year. Uh, I, I probably had a couple hundred NFT communities in my Discord at one point. Um, there's also DAOs. There's other types of communities that have some sort of token associated with them. Um, what, what What types of communities are you focused on? Yeah, um, I think there's there's two communities. I think, bro well, I mean, anyone's welcome. But I think there's two that are very interested. And we have a wait list um, that, you know, people are applying to get accurately access. And I think what we're seeing is there's like two communities. I think the first are communities that are just very crypto native, I would say. And what does that mean to be crypto native? Um, I think I think it's describing some of these, you know, thing, things that I'm sharing with you about you know, prioritizing the web wallet, um, being very, 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 not only thinking about security, but designing something, you know, and developing something that is, is like, you know, aims to be secured by design and open source, private, like just this, like 
people really care about these values. And so a lot of these Web3 communities, um, they can see the value in that. So that's one thing. And I would say um, another another uh, type of community um, or what I, what I call like mission-driven DAOs or mission-driven communities um, in Web3. And if you're out there listening, please apply. We'd love to meet you. And these are communities that I would I would say are characterized by like they're coming together to do something. And you might be thinking like, well, aren't all communities coming together to do something? Um, I think a lot of you know NFT communities are coming together like, and there's a social aspect to it. Totally great. Like I'm you know I'm so that's like very cool. And like I'm part of a lot of those. Um, but I think I think the thing that's really interesting is like more of like the like a company or a DAO or like the kind of people you see using Slack, like they come together like to build something or they want to like buy something together. Like, and I think that is like especially interesting to them um, coming to console because, you know, we have a lot of really cool modules like integrating a, a multi-safe or Gnosis safe or snapshot um, that helps these communities coordinate better and do things that, like Discord just doesn't have people are still voting with like emojis or like or like having the whole community go off to like completely different sites and you know you lose a lot of people um, and you know we talk about retention of communities like people just aren't as active so um, people are coming to console for that reason as well. That, that's really interesting. You're integrating a lot of the core uh, components of, for example, DAOs. You talked about Nosa Safe snapshot directly within uh, within the console interface. Is that is that in the sense that you are enabling people to like directly vote within a chat thread, um, see proposals and things like that? Or are there like separate, whole separate modules in, in console? Um, what, what is that experience like? Yeah, that's, that's the idea. Um, yeah. I mean, imagine you're, you know, in your, your chat app and you want to a whole range of things that you want to, potentially do to become more involved or active or informed, um, you want to, you know, you mentioned voting. So to, to, to vote, you have to know when the vote is, you have to know what it's about. You have to know, like, you know, all those kind of things, like who else is voting on this? Um, maybe there's events. So you want to know like when the event is and like what it's about. And like, you know, so there's this kind of line between like what I think of as like action and education about a lot of these different things. Um, you know, Web3, these communities are just like using, like I said, a, a bunch of different tools out there. You know, we're talking about Snapshot, we're talking about Gnosis, Notion, maybe um, all, Twitter spaces, like all this kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, at console, we're, we're bringing that all within one dashboard, within one place. So you could easily find that, easily interact with that kind of stuff. And also, and, and I think this is important. We're not some walled garden trying to like do every single thing ourselves. Um, we really want to integrate with a lot of these other amazing open source solutions. And we think that that's the opportunity to have all these building blocks like that we just, you know, and again, that, that makes us more decentralized too. Like if console goes down, you know, like, I mean, you, you know, you have to imagine like the nuclear situation, right? Well, you're, you're still, you know, you're voting still, you know, happening like with your six signature on your wallet, a snapshot, your assets are still on chain, your identity is still on chain, right? You could like easily recreate it. Console will be open source. So you can basically like, you know, just fork it and make your own if you really wanted to. So we think that's, that's part of the um, really exciting narrative of what's possible. Got it. That, that, that makes sense. And I, I think a lot of people can get distracted because they have to go to different platforms, different sites to actually uh, perform a lot of the core functions of, 
a DAO or purpose-driven community, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, when you when you think about uh, decentralized identity, um, what are some of the core principles that you're trying to propose with console and promote with console? I know you talked about uh, being able to use that as a means to, uh, the, specifically the web wallet as a means to log in to a specific community or gain access authenticated to a specific mm -hmm. community. But um, what, what other aspects of a decentralized identity are you trying to promote within uh, console and uh, to, to drive at least, at least better community or uh, greater access to certain things? Yeah. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think 2023 is going to be the year of identity. <laughs> I think, um, you know, the past decade we've heard, you know, um, not your, not your keys, not your coin or whatever, not your money. Um, that's being extended now to a lot of different pieces of our digital identities. Um, but I think like identity itself, like verification of who the person is, is like the first step of, of that. So I think it's a really necessary building block and there's so much great work being done in the space. Um, ENS, uh, the Ethereum name system, the .eth name, uh, just incredible amount of traction and like, um, yeah, just, they've been really leading that and just doing an amazing job. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the image I like to kind of paint for people who, who might be new or just to think about this in like a different way, you know, the web really grew and thrived, um, in its early days due to the domain name system, DNS. And, you know, what is that? Well, you know, it's basically like, the domain, you know, the URL, google.com, facebook.com, whatever name it again there, newyorktimes.com, right? Um, but before that, you know, we had IP addresses, right? And it's like, you know, like know all these numbers and like, that's kind of where we are with wallets right now. You know, you have like, everybody still has this like crazy long wallet address. It's basically IP addresses. Um, but, you know, when we talk about going from 2.5 million wallet addresses to a solution that can be more inclusive of maybe hundreds of millions or billions of people in the world. Um, I think it's the human readable aspect and also the trust that you get. You know, if you go to like, you get an email from Google with like 17 O's and you click on it immediately, you know, like, well, that's not Google because I don't have a relationship with, you know, it's google.com. It's not google.com. Um, and I think the same can be said for names, right? Uh, identity. So we have nodes, basically like, websites or nodes that are like on the internet that we interact with as people. And now we as people get our own node and we need our own identity in order to signal that in order to connect in a trusted way. Um, last kind of thoughts on this that, that I think are important is like some people might say, well, we already do have that right now. Like I'm at Kastig on Twitter or whatever. It's a show. It's not a plug, but I guess it is a plug. Um, so you're like, well, what about that? Um, we already have that. But, you know, the problem with that is, like, we don't own, I don't own my Twitter handle, right? Um, I want to say Jack Dorsey does, but I guess Elon Musk does now, or somebody does. Um, but, you know, um, and those things can be censored, those things can be shut down, those things can be taken away. Um, they're not, um, and, and and even worse is, like, they, they get hacked all the time, right? People impersonate and all that stuff. So I think that's, like, the real opportunity with identity. That That's why I'm saying 2023 is going to be the year of identity, because I think we're really going to see this. And I think if I need any data to prove uh, that this is happening over the past week, the uh, the number of .BTC names has just, like, skyrocketed. I don't know if you saw that, but it's, like, now, I think, I think .BTC is now fourth after 
that ETH that sold at Tez and that 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 BTC for um for online uh secure blockchain identity. So I think there's like this is just going to continue into the next year. And I think console is like cool, I think, because uh or hopefully, right, is uh I think that was like the original vision was just like you actually that really was like, you know, how can we have these names once they're once everyone has their their name, their .eth, their .btc, like how can we have people then communicate in a more secure, open, decentralized way? I think the flip side of decentralized identity is the the value of privacy. And how do you balance that? Because I know that in some senses, people want a sovereign identity, something that is free from censorship resistance, but they also want some privacy on their financial transactions. They don't want to necessarily show how much they're worth, um, what types of transactions that they're taking, et cetera. So how do you reconcile those two values? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to definitely dive in with some opinions on this, but in in some ways it's not, it's not directly related to console. Um, but, but let's talk about assets. Um, cause I do think that's an issue just like separate from console, but, but very interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, and this this happened over the past week. I don't know if you saw. Um, well, we all know about Celsius, kind of. Um, you know, <laughs> I want to see the temperature dropping. Trying like, was the pun for Celsius? The temperature, the the mercury spilling, whatever, on Celsius. Um, and the- oh yeah, the public list <laughs> that uh, of email addresses that was made of. Yeah, so the public list, and then somebody made a website. I think it's CelsiusNetworth.com or something like that, and you could just type in anyone's name like they're just their human readable name and it will tell you how much they lost and it will just show you uh which sucks you know what i mean i saw i saw one or two uh maxis of certain tokens getting called out for owning stuff like that you know what i mean it's like we just i mean it's sort of playful in, in a way i think or at least stuff but but it's not it's really bad form i think for for um for that information and i think that could have been handled much better but so that's just like one fire example of of the worst case scenario i think um what's your point yeah uh so how do you know how do we bring more privacy um i i you know i just only kind of have ideas it seems like that the power is at like the human level right now uh and what i mean by that is like you know you could spin up a new wallet address like if you're doing certain types of payments um you know satoshi uh back in the white paper i don't know if it was in the white paper but maybe in the forums um would you know talked about like every time you accept bitcoin it should be you should accept it with a new wallet address right and for people listening who are maybe a bit um technical too like you might appreciate that um you know you can have one address basically you could have one set of private keys and have like multiple amounts of wallet addresses right so you know you could have it all connected in like really nice way you're just gonna spin them up probably most people know that but uh but yeah i mean i think that 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 helps give a little bit more anonymity i think in addition you know there's there's more private coins which i'm surprised haven't taken off more but things like zcash and monero um i think that those you know give some shielding to that um i don't know what do you think do you have any ideas i mean it's a really interesting question i i think there are some promising technologies that you pointed to like uh, zcash and monero um zero knowledge proof technologies yeah. as well to um, help with, uh, for example, verification, but uh, not revealing full wallet contents and things like that. Um, definitely an opportunity. I think there's some, even some technologies out there to enable uh, pseudonymity and anonymity in, in terms of the future work and the like. So 
Um, I, I think it's a fine balance, especially when we think about operating within the uh, the boundaries of uh, sovereign nations, which care about knowing who people yeah. are as well. So um, I, I think there's always a challenge, especially as we saw with the uh, the Zcash uh, situation, or, or sorry, the um, the tornado cash uh, situation, yeah. and. I, I think it'll be a constant point of conversation. I know that uh, just anecdotally and known for my own behavior as well, I, um, spinning up new wallet addresses is a pretty common uh, trend, especially among those who are privacy conscious. Uh, on the other hand, if, if you're trying to track the growth of the space, then you have a bunch of people with dozens of wallet addresses. How many people are actually using Web3 and crypto and Bitcoin? That becomes an open question, but maybe that's okay if that's the mm. case. So, yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of work work to be done uh, in that, but it's very important. I agree. Definitely, I, I think the last point I wanted to talk about uh, with this pillar of identity privacy is probably a third pillar around community. And you mentioned that you, in console, you're able to be able to address some of the needs around, for example, people jumping into a, a community and not knowing what to do and just kind of bouncing basically. Um, fairly common in Discord. How are you solving for that in console? Like what, what are some of the features or, or assists that you're, you're trying to provide these communities so that they can better integrate and onboard members? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, um, trying to have just ways to be educated and take action more are really kind of at the core of that onboarding experience. So like, you know, what does that mean in practice? Um, right now, <laughs> when you come to like a discord, what I've noticed is people, most communities use just chat channels as like web pages, right? And they'll just like make a admin only can chat and they just like write a bunch of stuff or dump a whole web page in there. Um, and then you don't know, it's like, a, it's in a bunch of channels. It's like where, you know, so I think just right off the bat is like, you know, we have, we have docs with, within, you know, kind of like almost like notion a little bit so that you can have someone join and then they can just like read something that's like friendly to read and has some links and like, you know, they can um, experience that and then, you know, click that. And then it's not always just like, in, it's not always taking up real estate. Uh, <laughs> if you look at some of the, like the DAO channels and, and discord, like it's stuff you read one time and then there's like five channels just sit there, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's part of it. It's just part of the education, um, having events and having these modules that we could bring in, you know, uh, other, other pieces of infrastructure and integrations that these communities are using, I think will be helpful. It's just like having it all in one place, like a dashboard or, Sometimes we actually had one community call it an operating system. And I kind of like that, like it's the operating system for web three. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think that that's a big part of, um, it's a big part of it. And then, uh, you know, and also analytics too, um, I think is, is, you just asked about like retention, I guess, in some ways. And I think just like also, you know, helping people understand a little more about what's, what's going on in the scenes. So yeah, those are some of the ways. Yeah, yeah. Put, put it on my kind of web two hat here. I, I think about kind of cohort analysis and understanding what golden paths are for uh, community users and the like. Uh, I, I, I think another kind of challenge I have with Discord and other uh, technologies like Telegram and things like that is just 
how do you stay up to date with the stream of information, especially if it's there's a ton of different active channels and things like that? Um, I know there's a few solutions working on kind of knowledge management and tools for thought to basically better uh, provide that summary and information back to users. But uh, are, is that anything that you're addressing within console? And I know it, sometimes it's a good problem to have in the sense that there's almost too much activity to, to keep track of, but versus a kind of a, 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 a room with crickets basically chirping. Yeah. But I'm curious to see if there's anything that you're doing within console to address that. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot of really cool innovation that can happen with just like people's attention spans. Um, one belief that I have is that um, I, I don't think that everybody wants to just be on discord all the time, like just like scrolling and active. And like, I think, I think a lot of people would just rather kind of like pop in and like connect or get an update, you know, kind of like reading the newspaper or um, without having to kind of like parse through everything, you know, um, I think for discord's business model, like, and a lot of kind of web two business models, like daily active users is like, okay, we need to just keep people active, like doing things. So we need them to like have all this information. Um, yeah, we, you know, we're looking at that or at least playing with that in like an inverse way of just like, how can we make people find the information as quick as possible so that they don't always have to like live in console. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we have threads right now. I think that's one part of it is just like being able to like partition the conversation. And so it's not always in the main room. I think that's nice. Um, but then we have, I'd say we have like a list of things that we're testing. Uh, so I don't want to give those away right now, but I think we're just always looking, we have like a list of innovations. Um, I, I guess the, like the kind of teaser and what, what it might feel like is like, you know, right now, if you're on Twitter, let's say, um, you know, Twitter has an algorithm that they like, they do use to serve you um, tweets, but you know, what if you could, design the algorithm yourself and make your own personal kind of view of um of how you want to find information so those are some of like the tweaks that we're looking at and again i think because of the web3 like values that we're trying to uphold and like that we don't have like we're not going to ever run ads so we don't we don't have this like need to just make people just like endlessly clicking you know <laughs> um so yeah i think i think it's a cool opportunity to play with that, that makes a lot of sense I, I wanted to take a step back and go back into probably some of your previous background. I know you mentioned when you uh, were in the Bay Area, you were taking part in Y Combinator. And I know a large part of what Y Combinator focuses on is like building things people, uh, users want and love. Um, a large part of that is getting to product market fit and then almost getting a growth marketing uh, scheme set up so that you can drive this month on month, week on week growth uh, once you've, you've achieved that product market fit. Um, Based on some of your learnings from the Web two world and how you've started to operate in the Web three world, what 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 does product market fit look like in the in the crypto world in, in the Web three world? Yeah, in the in the Bitcoin world. Yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, there's not. I don't believe that there's like an objective answer to this, but I'll let you know what we're thinking. Is um, I think roughly for us, um, crypto small. Like I said, you know, if you go on Twitter right now. There's probably like, I'm guessing like a hundred thousand people who are like active every day or, you know, active like once a week or like participating in that conversation. Um, so I feel like even just having like 10,000 people, like a 10th of that, um, 
and some, you know, some some growth of just seeing new communities continue to move to console and stay on console. So those are some of the metrics that we're looking at. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, we're just going to really kind of aggressively move toward, uh, you know, welcoming on 10,000 uh, people. <laughs> and we're doing everything on console. We're just community based. So like I said, um, you know, we have this wait list uh, for communities and anyone can apply to it. And most of them will chat one-on-one. Everyone will look at and most of them will chat one-on-one and we want to know your needs and we want to know like, you know, hard dates on like mints or like, you know, when you're, if you're having problems with Discord and like, we want to be there to really have this like amazing onboarding experience where myself or my co-founder Dave will, will welcome you on. And um, yeah, we believe that, you know, following the communities and just serving and just, just making each community, like you said, cohort, I guess is a, a similar kind of way. Um, you know, just is very, um, yeah, just make sure everybody's like really happy before we turn it loose. Uh, so yeah, 10,000 is like the number we're trying to hit. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense, especially given the scale of uh, the, the crypto Web3 users out there right now. Uh, in terms of the builders in our audience, what tips would you have to them, for example, exploring a new stack like building on Bitcoin um, or using the Stacks platform or, or, or trying to really build out this ecosystem? Are there any kind of two or three helpful oh, yeah. tips that you, you think might be useful for them to, to get started? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, building on Bitcoin, I think is really promising and, and really, uh, really cool because, um, like I said, it's that decentralized layer. And if you could just tap into that. And so there's a lot of tools that you can do uh, that you can use to um, to go into that. Let me see if I could. I think if you just go to, let me see. Well, okay, I'll just list a few. So um, Clarity is the programming language for writing, um, for interacting with the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and Clarity is at clarity-lang.org. And, um, you know, Clarity is really cool because if you have an app that you want, it, Clarity can read Bitcoin state, um, and I think soon write to Bitcoin state, but that's maybe coming, uh, in the future, near future. Um, and so you can do some really cool things to kind of inter- interact with the Bitcoin chain with the Clarity language. So that's one place, um, hero.so, that's H-I-R-O.so. Hero is the protagonist of uh, as a quiz, you know, the book, John hero is the, is, is, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I'll give you another hint. This is the first book to mention the word metaverse. So, oh, okay. This is uh snow, snow crash. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got so it. hero, uh, H I R O that's how it's spelled. Um, yeah. And, and hero has developer tools for building on Bitcoin and, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a you can follow a lot of, it's very active Twitter uh community. I'd say just follow me at Castig. I think I even have like a list of stacks people. Um and there's just so much um so many cool things coming um to just further integrate this as like a layer 2 for um for Bitcoin. I would say on par with Lightning um over the next year. So there's going to be a lot of really cool development going on. So I'd say watch that space, follow me on Twitter, follow some of the people I'm following. If you want to get into the space, happy to introduce you or um, yeah, or anything I can do, I'd be happy to help. 
Yeah, that that uh, seems like a lot of tangible good steps that builders in our audience could take to to better understand. Uh, before we end the podcast, I wanted to see if you had any last ask or thoughts that you wanted to share with the audience. Yeah, um, just happy to be here. And I would get, I guess, you know, if you're interested in learning about console, you can go to console.xyz. Um, follow us on Twitter. We're at console DAO and you can follow us. We'll put all our updates there first. So it's a good place to get in touch and yeah, happy to answer any questions. So I'd say just reach out to me on Twitter and um, love to know what you're thinking. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast, Chris. Really excited to learn about console and your background. Thanks, Sean. This is really fun.